The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 11. Hi everyone and welcome back to The Dark Paranormal Season 11 Episode 3. First and foremost, I'd like to thank everyone who's reached out following last week's episode where we discussed the haunting presence of a Mrs Bixler. Clearly, I wasn't the only one who formed their own version of Mrs Bixler that stayed with them long after hearing the experience. We even heard from one unfortunate listener who says they had a nightmare that very night of what they believed was Mrs. Bixler and has since, apparently, seen them in their day-to-day life. The listener who's from London says they were on a bus travelling through the centre when they looked out and saw what they claim was the exact same image that they saw in their nightmare the night before standing in a shop doorway, staring right back at them through the bus window and never losing their gaze until the bus turned the corner. Now, I've often thought perhaps there may be some correlation between listening to paranormal podcasts and experiencing something yourself. And so, after reading a comment that we were tagged in on Instagram... I couldn't help but bring a small smile to my face. The comment from Mazen Bell Designs says, Whilst I'm painting, I like to listen to a podcast called The Dark Paranormal. Mainly because if I listen to music, I dance too much. But also because I really enjoy listening to everyone's paranormal stories. Especially being a believer and having experienced paranormal activity in the past myself. So I was working on the sunflower painting again last night, as with every night, and I was listening to The Dark Paranormal Season 8, I think. So just coming up to Halloween last year within the series, and the presenter, Kevin, played the Halloween special trailer at the end of the episode. The trailer was incredibly creepy and got my heart racing. Then, all of a sudden... My ceiling light flickered and blacked out. I can't tell you how quickly I went and turned on the nearest lamp. My heart was going insane and I was shaking like a leaf. I went over and turned the ceiling light off and back on just to see what would happen. And the light came on, really dimly, and was fluttering, like the light shade had loads of butterflies in it And when I went to turn the switch off again, it didn't turn off. I was creeped out. Then as if that wasn't bad enough, 
I suddenly heard the lock in the front door behind me turning. I was crapping my pants at this point, thinking that I had actually somehow attracted some entity into my home just by listening to my favourite podcast. Luckily, it was just my partner coming home on his break, and boy did he laugh at me. He changed the light bulb and everything was fine after that, but I don't think he's ever going to let me forget it. Although it did really make me smile to read that comment that we were tagged in on Instagram, I did initially think I was going to read another story where someone was saying a paranormal experience had happened to them after or during listening to the podcast. Because we do receive these type of emails at least once a month, be it the audio slowing down or speeding up or even playing in reverse, or on one occasion, items falling off a shelf during the show. Maybe there's a lot of truth in the old adage, the more you look into the darkness, the more the darkness looks back at you. And it's these origin stories, if you will, it's these points where things begin that we take a look at in this week's true paranormal experience. We also hear what it's like when each and every safe space you have as a child is slowly but surely taken over by the paranormal. But before we reach today's amazing true paranormal experience, we of course need to thank our wonderful team members over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes both ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive exclusive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites is a show which runs each and every week of the year, even on the downtime between seasons, meaning you never miss your paranormal fix. And also, there are well over 50 hours worth of Dark Bites episodes for you to binge at your leisure. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over at Patreon, and we'd love to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash the dark paranormal. Just like these wonderful new team members have. April Clark, Brian Kasprzyk, Wendy, Beto Lopez, Stacey Buckler, Daniel, Mary, Natalie Herrera, Gas Station Sushi, Andrew Gorringe, John Dow, Jen Russell, Nikki Hensley, Ben Waters, Samantha Davis, Claire Thompson, Cole Smith, Johnny Carr, Kieran Cottrell, Jamie Mattick, Stein, Holly, Monique Smith, Lisa Despain, Hallie Cook, Maria Rodriguez, Karen Haig, Michelle Walker, Jordan Cardenas, Denise Zabel, Cateron, Julianne Zeisma, Juliana Laufenberg, Lisa Watchick, Ross Matterson, Reverend Dr. Costa Resquire, Kirsty Castle, Jessica Fosberg, Zoe, Leanne Hickson, James Young, RJ the Psycho, Abby Ray, Coley K, Hop, Becca Lynn, Jupiter, Joanna Scarlet C, and Jenny Says. Thank you so much for joining the team, guys. It truly means the world. And I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course, those Dark Bites episodes. But right now, it's time to lower the lights. Make yourself comfortable and, of course, leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about an entity which seems to split itself across two properties and ask the question, exactly what lies deep in the pines? 
If I had to pinpoint an exact moment when what I can only refer to as an entity attached itself to our family, it would be because of my mum and the time when she was in her teens and, almost like every teenager at some point in their youth, decided to play a Ouija board with her friends at a sleepover one night. The only thing she's ever shared about that night was when, ever so slowly at first, the light began flickering, causing her and her friends to pause this so-called game. Suddenly there was a blackout in the entire home, and my grandfather, who was apparently downstairs, was angered that he was unable to get the fuse box to kick the light back on. And it was in this blackness, as they all sat in silence, waiting for Grandad to bring life back into the room, that dissonant, incoherent whispers began calling out in the dark. While she was a teenager, it might have been a coincidence, or just over-exaggerated memories. One thing we do know for sure is that her fear is very real. As is often the case for the generation that follows, growing up, she warned us seriously to never touch one of those things. But she wasn't the only one in the family to make a terrible choice. My grandfather on my dad's side had purchased a few acres of land along with a small two-bedroom home to start his own bull farm while my father was finishing high school. He was a charming man who could put a smile on just about anyone's face, which is how he ended up striking a deal with the previous owner, Jasper. Jasper was known throughout our small town of 5,000 people as the local hermit, yet no one knew that he harboured a deeper, more sinister secret behind closed doors. I'll give you some background to that house. It was originally a shed or garage that was makeshifted into a home. The walls were plywood and the plumbing was jerry-rigged to a well in the sewer. The basement was normally a standalone cellar. All the rooms were built around it, which is why the basement door was in the bathroom. Now, how to describe Jasper? Well, let's begin with this. From this makeshift home, deep in the pines, he ran a backwards abortion clinic out of his basement. Now, remember, this is the late 70s, early 80s. You can only imagine the type of medical procedure a normal abortion was like, and how strict the laws were. So for these poor women who were desperate enough to go to Jasper, I try not to imagine the horrors that they went through, if they even survived. When my grandfather started to remodel the house, due to Jasper being a complete hoarder, he took pictures of the process for a before and after. One picture we have, to this day, is of a shelf in the basement, stacked with jars. 
And in those fluid-filled, dusty jars, well, I'll let you come to your own conclusion. The picture is currently tucked away, somewhere in my dad's house. Why he won't just throw those pictures away, I'll never know. Years later, with my parents now divorced and remarried, is where my story truly starts. With my dad's remarriage came along three stepkids, making us a household of eight, still living in that small house in the backwoods of our town. Noise was constant, even in the dead of night. Well, with a full house, it's to be expected. But it's when things would get deathly silent that we would all be truly afraid. One day, my brother and I were playing in our shared bedroom. Our door was wide open so our dad could keep an eye on us whilst making lunch, since it was connected to the kitchen. As we immersed ourselves in our game... We heard a long creaking noise, as if a hinge was rusted out. Looking up at Abe, my brother, his face was pale, and he was staring, open-mouthed, at the doorway of our room. I followed his gaze, and we both fell silent, watching with growing fear as the door began to close by itself. Slowly, as if being pushed by a gentle breeze, it closed with a click. Thinking it was our dad playing a prank on us, I jumped up and threw open the door with a laugh. But he wasn't in the kitchen. There were no windows in our kitchen, nor in the bedroom. Sandwiches sat on the counter, still in pieces as if he walked away in the middle of making them. When I saw him later that night, I asked about the door. But he just chalked it up to an old house settling. The usual, rational answer that you'd expect from parents. The bedrooms were an add-on from my grandpa. And he used large, old oak doors. So the doors were incredibly heavy. And for being so young, we always struggled to close them ourselves. But still, we brushed it off. But only because it was too scary to talk about again. Especially since this wouldn't be the last time in that house that doors seemed to have a mind of their own. That same night, the entire house was woken up. Due to shouting and pounding coming from the bathroom, I ran to the kitchen where our only bathroom was connected and my dad and stepmom were already standing there, eyes wide and pale. Every single chair in the kitchen was now pushed up against the bathroom door, as if barricading it shut. After the shock wore off, the shouting continued and it was my stepsister Mel and she was the one trapped in the bathroom. Pushing all the chairs away, we finally managed to get her out. She was huffing and yelling about being locked in, and that whichever one of us had done it should know that it wasn't a funny prank, 
Unable to explain what happened, we all kind of shrugged it off and went to bed. Interestingly, no one recalled hearing the scrape of the chairs on the floor, despite their obvious journey from the kitchen to the bathroom door. A few days later, Tiffany and Abe were watching TV, and Tiff had an eye on the hallway that led straight from the living room to the kitchen, because they'd snuck some grapes from the fridge and were keeping an eye out for Dad. She suddenly gasped, thinking she's staring at my dad, caught red-handed. But she continued watching as this dark figure walked through the kitchen, making a beeline for the bathroom, making deliberate yet slow steps. She rubbed her eyes, thinking maybe she didn't see right, but for the rest of that day she remained on edge and avoided the kitchen. Little did she know what was to come. Let's have a quick break to talk to you about Policy Genius. Now, we all like to put off life insurance talk because it reminds us of our mortality. But life insurance isn't about death, it's about life. It's about ensuring the lives of those you love remain secure and comfortable. And I'm sure many of you will think, well, I'm covered through work or I'm covered through my bank accounts. But believe me, you want to check those finer details because you may be surprised what you're actually covered for. And this is exactly where Policy Genius come into their own. Yes, we could talk about how Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace or how their award-winning agents will walk you step by step through the entire process. But the best thing about Policy Genius for me is they don't have a dog in the fight. They're not going to strong arm you towards one company or another. They've no incentive to do so. Their only incentive is to listen to your needs, scour America's top companies and find you the best price. For example, with Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that begin at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options even offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason why Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot, and you'll find out what it is when you tick life insurance off your to-do list with Policy Genius. So head over to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. That night, when she was in bed, there was a light shining under the doorway leading to another bedroom. The light illuminated what she described as a cattail that was peeking out from under the dresser, sitting next to the doorway, the rest of its body being hidden by the dresser. We didn't have a cat, because I'm deathly allergic, and so was Abe. 
Tiff kept debating on picking it up to see what it was. But then suddenly, it curled up and disappeared. Thinking she was just dreaming, she curled up under the covers. A voice screamed down her ear, as if taunting her. Out of sheer and utter fear, she wet the bed and immediately fled to find my dad. But he dismissed her as having a nightmare and sent her to the couch for the night before washing her sheets, frustrated from being woken up. She swears to this day that whatever entity my sister was seeing would play constant tricks on her, making shadows and figures appear in the middle of the night. It got to the point she stopped crying to my parents because they were tired of her stories. It was an unspoken agreement within the family that the basement was off-limits without a parent. But being children, and having some of our toys in storage downstairs, we couldn't help ourselves. With my sister Tiff and my brother Abe leading the charge, we used a flashlight and set off to explore. Jasper's setup was still intact. A giant wash basin and an examining table cemented into the wall and floor that they couldn't afford to demolish in the remodel. To this day, I will never forget the powerful, negative and oppressive energy in that basement. It was devoid of sound, and it was as if a weighted blanket was put on your entire body. Limbs heavy, head dizzy. As we explored deeper, heavy thudding footsteps sounded in the stairwell. We were the only ones in the house that day. My parents were at work, and my step-siblings were gone with friends. We ran upstairs in a frenzy and slammed the door shut on the verge of tears. It felt as if we were about to be caught by someone. Someone or something with dark intent and we'd sealed it back into the basement. Thankfully, only a few years later, my parents decided to demolish the house and build a new one on the huge property. A fresh start, without having to give up the land my grandfather bought, which was where my dad was raised. And in the new house, thankfully, there were only minor scares, doors slamming occasionally and the odd footstep here and there in an empty hallway. But at least we had Mum's house as a safe space, right? Oh no, it was much, much worse. Here's a bit of history on what we've always called the farmhouse. Built in 1904, Charles Ender bought the farming property with his wife, Maria. He died in the house in 1935 due to unknown causes. Then, only two years later, his son, Everett Ender, died at only 50 years old in early December 1937. His cause of death seems to be a mystery as well, since he doesn't have a single obituary or memorial. He's not even mentioned in his wife's obituary, 
or his kids when they passed. Stranger yet, his mother Maria died the following January in 1938. No known cause of death again. But the same as her husband and her son, she died in the home. Years later, the house had been sitting empty, since the remaining family wanted nothing to do with the property, and it fell into the hands of Rick Ursa, grandson of Evert Ender. He decided to rent the house to my mum, a wife and mother of four children, since he was struggling to sell and had no use for the huge, empty home. When my mum rented the farmhouse, I was eight, Abe was ten, and Tiff was thirteen. Our half-sister Tammy was fifteen. Mum had custody of us every other weekend and of Tammy full-time, meaning, thankfully, I didn't have to spend a lot of time at that farmhouse in the short time she rented the place with Carl, my stepdad. Now, there were countless occurrences of footsteps walking up and down the stairs and hallways, soft whispers heard in the dead silence of night, but these were the least of our problems. The house came with a barn, a barn that was beyond repair, rotting beams and a half-caved-in roof, but still warm enough for a mumma cat to take care of her three babies in. Because of the danger of getting hurt or having an allergy attack, we were forbidden to go near the barn. Being crappy kids, of course we didn't listen because, well, kittens. But one Saturday, we went to go and check on the baby kittens and sadly found one of them had died and so we gave it a proper burial in the barn. And we told our mum, since she could always tell when we saw the cats, and life went on. The weekend after next, when we came to visit again, we find our half-sister Tammy already playing with the kittens. With all three kittens, actually. Dumbfounded, Tiff runs over to the burial site, but it wasn't there. No mound of dirt, nor the handmade cross made out of sticks. Not even a hole. Maybe my mum dug up the cat to dispose of it, but, but then why is the kitten now obviously alive and playing like nothing's happened? We agreed that maybe it was a different kitten, that we found and buried. Maybe we were looking in the wrong spot, but none of us dared to find out. Now, a kitten burial would happen about three more times before we decided to avoid the barn at all costs. Because, you see, each time we would pick a different spot, and each time the same would happen. And each time, my mum, stepdad and Tammy would deny touching the cats or the barn after the first time it happened. The barn wasn't the only place off-limits. When they first moved in, 
they planned on using the attic as a bedroom to try and spread us kids out as we got older. This plan never happened, though, and my mum and stepdad never explained why they kept it locked. Not even used for storage. An odd thing for a big family. One night, Tiff and Tammy were up late talking and joking, when Tammy dared Tiff to go into the attic. Tiff, wanting to seem brave, even though she's had, to this day, the most contact with the supernatural, agreed and went upstairs alone. The attic was bare, save for a light bulb on a string, a vintage game of Monopoly that was missing the contents, and a twin mattress. Creeping closer to the mattress, that's when she noticed the dark red stain as if someone spilt Kool-Aid on it. Tiff ran back to the room, and the next morning she begged my mum and stepdad to take a look at the mattress, even though it meant admitting she'd broken the rules. They examined the mattress and, sure enough, yell at Tiff for spilling juice on it and making up stories. Carl, deeming the mattress salvageable, takes it downstairs to get it cleaned up and put back into place with a fresh bedsheet and a bed frame, as if they might make one of us sleep up there after all. The next morning, Carl bursts into our shared room of me, Abe and Tiff. He's holding a stained sheet in his hand, whilst yelling about spilling more juice on the bed after he'd just cleaned it. We all denied even stepping foot in the attic, and we followed him as he confronted Tammy, but she had the same look of sleepy confusion after being woken up. So he takes us up to the attic, as if seeing the scene of the crime will get one of us to confess, and, sure enough, the dark red stain is back. Same place, same shade. After that morning, the attic was locked back up, and no one dared to take another look. It had gotten to the point where our fear had taken over, and we didn't even want to go and see our mum, solely because of the negative, evil presence we all felt in that house. But with our dad's house being equally as terrifying, we all suffered from a lack of sleep, of constant paranoia of doors opening and closing by themselves, of footsteps, creaking floorboards, and constant bedwetting from all three of us. It wasn't until the screaming started when my mum finally had enough and moved out. Shortly after the mattress incident, Tiff started screaming in her sleep, loud enough to wake the household. At first, my mum and Carl thought it was night terrors from her anxiety and fear, but it happened night after night, and only on the weekend she stayed at the farmhouse. Tiff said she never remembers screaming, only Mum and Carl waking her up with exhausted looks of concern. She said she doesn't remember dreaming during those nights, but the few times she did, it was always of a tall man cloaked in shadows. 
who would chase her throughout the house, and she wouldn't be able to find anyone to help. Every corner she'd turn, every room she ran to hide in, there would be stood that man. She felt no matter where she ran, he would catch her. As I said, my mum finally moved, and my dad built his new house, and life went back to some semblance of normality. The landlord of the farmhouse, Rick, after my mum had had enough and abandoned the house, tried selling the house in vain. It sat empty for years, despite all the remodelling and money he's put into the property. It's been relisted over ten times, meaning whatever potential buyer saw the property had a closer look and knew the house wasn't for them. I can't help but wonder if they sensed the evil that house carried inside its walls, beneath the fresh coats of paint. Rick ended up selling to relatives, as it seems he gave up on selling to legitimate buyers, despite dropping the price to a whopping 79k. Even in a small town, a home with four bedrooms and acres upon acres of property is easily worth $200,000. It's unknown if their kids or relatives are currently staying in that house, but it's been off the market since 2012. We've still had a fair share of paranormal things happen throughout the years, mostly to Tiff, who's always been more attuned to the unknown and the occult. But it might take you a full episode to get through those encounters. I will leave you with one last thought. A few days ago, my sister Tiff told me over dinner some rather disturbing news. My ten-year-old niece woke up one morning and said that during the night she had seen a tall shadow man standing over her bed. Tiff asked why she didn't run to get her if she was so scared. My niece admitted that if she ran, she knew he was going to catch her. Wow, Mariah, thank you so much for submitting your true paranormal experience. For me, it could be one of two things. Either one, we have three different negative energies, one attached to either house and one seemingly attached to Tiff. Or two, it's Tiff who is acting like some sort of paranormal magnet drawing these entities out of their hiding spaces. And given how you signed off your experience, it may appear that gift, for want of a better phrase, may have been passed down to her own daughter. But let's hope that's not the case. What I will say on behalf of myself, and I'm sure on behalf of our listeners, is you do mention within your experience that we could fill another episode with the experiences encountered by Tiff. So if you could ask her to send in her experiences, 
I'm sure we'd all love to hear them. Now, don't forget, if you have a true paranormal experience, we always have room for the right tale. Email us, thedarkparanormal at hotmail.com or head over to our website, thedarkparanormal.com and click the Contact Us link. I'd sincerely like to thank each and every one of you for choosing to spend your time with me here on your show. For our Patreons, I'll speak to you again on Sunday for another instalment of Dark Bites. And for everyone, I'll see you here next week for episode four. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll see you next week for an episode that, believe me, you won't want to miss. Right here on The Dark Paranormal. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.